check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, an integrative palliative medicine physician. If you are a physician or other healthcare provider passionate about taking care of people with serious or chronic illness, you are in the right place. Our motto is whole person care for people with serious illness using all the tools that work. Welcome, integrative palliative people. Today, we're going to talk about an overview of the integrative approach to pain management. So, big picture, we want to think about what kind of pain, what brought on the pain, what's the etiology of what we think is the reason this person has pain, and then how they're coping with the pain. And this may sound obvious, but sometimes if we see someone who's not coping well, we may assume, oh, well, the pain is just because they're a mess or, you know, they're, they're struggling. But actually, it may be that the pain is from some clear etiology and they're struggling because it's hard to deal with chronic pain. Or sometimes it's the opposite. So we want to have a kind of disciplined approach to how we assess somebody who's in pain. So firstly, we want to think about what kind of pain are we hearing about? And there may very well be multiple kinds of pain. We always have to be aware. So if somebody says, oh, my pain is a five, you should always, always, always be 100% clear in your head which pain. What are you talking about? Where is that pain? You're talking about your knee pain or you're talking about your back pain or you're talking about your shoulder pain. And so anytime they tell you my pain is whatever, you want to make sure you know which one are you talking about. Because sometimes when patients are reporting it, they just kind of lump it into one big bucket, but that doesn't help you when you're trying to fix it. So what kind of pain are we talking about? Are we talking about nerve pain, neuropathic pain? Are we talking about tissue pain? Are we talking about a crampy feeling pain, which is more likely to be uh, visceral and organ? Are we talking about all over pain? They can't even tell you where it just hurts everywhere, which makes us think total pain. That does make us think that there's a significant emotional component to, to the whole experience of the patient's pain. So what kind of pain? Obviously, we want to know, is there a known etiology of this pain? Is it METS? Is there a surgical wound? But even when we think we know, we should confirm. Because we may say, we may know in our head, oh, I just saw your MRI and there's METS everywhere. But maybe when the patient says my pain is worse, they're talking about their chronic low back pain that they had long before they were diagnosed with cancer. So we always should confirm what pain the person is talking about, because we may assume and we may be wrong. So if we don't know exactly what the etiology is, then we want to dig a little deeper into exactly when and how did it start and ask the question a few times because sometimes people will say, oh, it's been here for years. And you may think, oh, well, that it can't be anything serious. But if you dig a little deeper, what you might found out, find out is that a few years ago, they had a pain in their back, but then... Two months ago, some acute new pain happened, and this may be a completely different etiology. So always make sure that you are totally clear 
about when this pain started and if anything precipitated, like was there a fall? I just had a patient recently who was reporting back pain and it took a while for for her to make clear that she had had a snowboarding accident, fallen on her tailbone and that the pain was happening since then because we weren't talking about tailbone pain. That's what she first felt. We were talking about back pain, but it's definitely related. So related to this exactly how and when did this pain start are the concept of, well, now what makes it start or what makes it decrease? So what makes it worse and better, which we know is part of a a pain history that's important. But it really matters to try to figure out, so when you have a bowel movement, is it better or worse? When you're laying down, is it better or worse? When you eat that thing, is it better or worse? So try to really dig into right now, What brought you from not having it to having it? And now that you have it, what brings you to worse versus not so bad? That helps you figure out where you're going with the etiology. Even if you think you're talking about one pain, make sure you ask them, is there another pain? Is there more than one pain? But related to that is, which is the one that really impairs your functioning? That's really what you care about. If they are like, oh, yeah, my knee hurts and my ankle and my back. Okay, but which one makes you not able to play tennis with your friends anymore? That's the one you really want to work on. You do want to check in. Is there a mood or stress component to this pain? Because for many pains, there is. Now, just because there is a mood or stress component does not mean that this is a stress-related pain or that there's not some organic component as well. It's possible that both things are true. So just because a person says they're depressed, don't assume like, oh, well, that's from depression and all we need to do is treat your depression. Maybe that's true, but maybe that's not true. So we don't want to make assumptions about that. So it is important, though, to find out, does stress make it worse? Because if you have a, a GI complaint and every time you somebody yells at you, the GI complaint feels worse, that does tell you something different than if the person says, every time I have milk with my cereal, it feels worse. So you're trying to figure out what do I think is the etiology here of this pain. Related to that is you do want to seek intentionally, seek out untreated depression. Because if somebody has a significant pain and they have a depression that's untreated, it will be much harder to treat the pain. So make sure that you look for and treat depression if you find it. As part of our history, we want to find out about what are the well-being behaviors that this person is participating in. So are they moving or not moving? Did they used to move, but now since this thing happened, they don't move anymore? Or a history that I hear fairly often is, I don't know why this happened. All of a sudden, my back pain got so much worse. And then you find out, well, what about your movement? Tell me about your movement. Oh, yeah, I used to do yoga and I used to walk and I used to lift a couple weights a few times a week. But for the last eight months, I haven't really been doing that anymore. And how long has your pain been there? About six months. So sometimes people don't put together that their behaviors have changed and when their behaviors change their chronic musculoskeletal pains may get worse. So it's important to try to unearth that. And if their sleep is a mess, it's much harder to manage pain. So it's important to look at their well-being behaviors primarily around movement, sleep, stress management. For some people around food, there are some pains that will get worse with pro-inflammatory foods. Um, Some people think that's a general rule, and then other people think that it's only for those who are sensitive. So for example, if you have somebody with untreated, undiagnosed celiac disease and they're eating wheat, they may have joint pain that nobody can find a reason for, and when they change their diet, that may go away. So another really important part about 
approaching pain in an integrative way is focusing much more on function than on the number. So we do use that zero to 10 scale for pain. But really what we care more about is what can you not do because of your pain that you used to be able to do or you wish you could do or would make your life better if you could do. That's what we care about more is function. Now, when we do use that zero to 10 assessment, it's very important to have three components to that. So the first is what's the worst zero to 10, the worst that this pain ever gets. The next is what's the best that it ever gets, zero to 10. And the third is what is it usually? That gives you a much, much, much better picture than just saying, what's your pain zero to 10? Because they're just probably going to tell you what it is right now. And right now might be on the better side. It might be on the worst side. It might be the average. So you really want to know those three things anytime you're asking somebody to rate their pain. Okay. So you assessed what kind of pain is it? Is there an etiology that I know about? And if not, I'm going to find out exactly when it started and exactly when it gets better and worse to try to figure out what is the etiology. You're going to make sure you know if there's more than one pain. You're going to check, is there a mood or stress component to this and work on that if there is. You're going to check out their well-being behaviors and you're going to find out how much it impairs their function. So when you've done all that, now you're trying to put it together in your head about, all right, what kind of pain do I think this is? Because based on what kind of pain I think it is, my treatment plan is going to be different. So do I think it's a primarily myofascial pain? If I think it's primarily a myofascial pain, then I'm going to go in the direction of physical therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture, um, OMT, which is osteopathic manipulative therapy. All of the, We will learn more about all of these things in the coming episodes. You'll think more about things like heat and ice, trigger point massage, trigger point injections. So the trigger point massage, the patient and family can do themselves or you can do in the office. Trigger point injections you can do in the office. You'll think more about Tylenol and NSAIDs, maybe capsaicin cream, but usually not opiates. Not all, That's not an absolute rule, but usually you're trying these other things before you're even considering opiates. And in some cases, we just don't use opiates at all for this kind of chronic pain. I want to say one word about capsaicin. Capsaicin is made from hot peppers. It used to be a prescription. It's over the counter now. It's a cream. And it's both great and terrible. So capsaicin can work really well, but you have to use it three times a day for a few days before you start to see a benefit, which is different than your typical like, ow, I'm achy, let me put on a warming cream. It's not like that. It's you have to use it like a medicine. So for some people, it's amazing. And because it's topical, there's, you know, essentially no significant risk to it, except that it burns like heck. So you have to warn the person first that it's going to burn. If you don't warn them, they will be furious at you. So you have to warn them that it's going to burn, but it can be do a really good job of taking pain away. But you also have to be really careful about your hands if you use it, because if you use it and then rub your eyes, you will never forget that experience. So make sure you warn your patients, either wash your hands really well, or even maybe better, use gloves when you're putting it on and then take off the gloves and throw it away and then wash your hands. Okay, so that's myofascial pain. If you get a vibe that this person has primarily myofascial pain, that's the direction you're going to go. If you feel like, no, mainly this appears to be a neuropathic pain, like post-chemo pain, diabetic foot pain, that sort of thing, you're going to think more in the direction of acupuncture, 
perhaps gabapentin or pregabalin, maybe organic castor oil that you could put on topically. So different approach than a myofascial pain. And if someone has primarily neuropathic pain, you don't want to send them to someone who mostly handles myofascial pain because they, they probably won't get better. Okay, so do you think it's mostly myofascial? Do you think it's mostly neuropathic? Do you think it's mostly visceral pain, like gallbladder pain, colon pain, if someone has an obstruction or a near obstruction or even just bad constipation? So for visceral pains, it's very different. You really need to figure out what what is the etiology? What viscera are we talking about is the problem that we wouldn't want to be vague about because maybe there's a surgical approach. Maybe there's a bowel rest approach or treating constipation approach. For visceral pain, we do use opiates and also sometimes steroids. Now, is it cancer pain? Maybe. Do you know this person has bone mats and they have pain in the place where you know that they have bone mats? So in that case, you are not going to send them primarily to the myofascial practitioners, you probably will start with opiates, maybe steroids. But the one thing to know about that is sometimes when someone has a cancer pain, the muscles around it will splint trying to protect the patient from any instability because that makes pain worse. So if that's going on, then there may be a myofascial component on top of the cancer pain. So for the cancer pain, you would want to use opiates or steroids also Tylenol, NSAIDs, but you might also have a myofascial component on top of that. And so in that case, maybe massage might help or acupuncture might help or a chiropractic might help. And then big picture for all of these, you want to always assess the coping of the patient. And this is sort of a chicken or egg situation because for some kinds of pain, particularly chronic pain, if the person is is having difficulty coping, their pain is exponentially worse. And so in that case, the poor coping can actually be an etiology of some of the worsening of this pain, and you need to approach it and treat it from that perspective. On the other hand, sometimes people have pain, it really isn't worsened by their coping, but their whole quality of life is worsened by their pain. And so if they have poor coping skills, or their pain is unmanaged, and their life is really not going well because of that, then their whole quality of life is poorer. And we want, we care about that too. So whether or not it's the etiology of the pain, we want to help people address their coping. And part of that coping is pain management. Part of that coping is managing their behaviors, their sleep, their stress, their movement, the thoughts that go through their head about, you know, I, I caused this myself or nobody cares about me or it's never going to get better, etc. So regardless of the etiology of pain, coping is a piece of it. Okay. So over the next episodes, we'll talk about lots of these things in more detail, but I just wanted us to get the big picture that we're looking at. How many kinds of pain are there? We're looking at each one separately. We are looking at what caused it and then what continues to cause it to get worse or better. We're going to look at, is there a mood or stress component? We're going to look at wellness behaviors. We're going to look at how much it impairs function. And then we're going to decide for ourselves, are we thinking more like myofascial, more like neuropathic, more like visceral, more like cancer-associated pain, but maybe there's myofascial on top of that. And then big picture for all the patients, regardless of etiology, we're going to focus on their coping. Okay, your homework for the week is to look for ways that wellness behaviors impact pain. 
And that could be in yourself. If you have some chronic pains of your own, it could be in your family members, it could be in your patients. Think about sleep, movement, stress management, food, and if any of those things impact your pain, the pain of your family members, the pain of your patients. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. It's important to realize you can't pour from an empty cup, so be sure to take care of yourself as well as you take care of your patients, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Integrative Palliative Podcast brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Palliative Medicine. If you liked what you heard, please give us a like, follow us, tell your colleagues, and join our community at www.tiipm.org. See you next week.